Hey everybody, welcome to episode 14 of the Nonprofit News Weekly Rundown, your one-stop shop for all the news, stories, trends, and research from across the nonprofit sector. I'm your host, David Nadelman, and thank you, as always, for clicking on this video. Now, this week, just like last week, was another high-volume news week for the nonprofit sector. So instead of doing any deep dives, I'm just going to run through a bunch of the topics that'll get you up to speed on everything you missed in this previous week. As always, we're going to highlight some good news that came out during this past week, and that news actually came to us during the Super Bowl, which we're going to start with. Now, before we begin, I just want to make a very shameless plug to anyone watching this video to subscribe and like to the channel. And with that, let's go ahead and get started. So this week, I'm going to actually switch it up and start with some good news. So last Sunday, as Tom Brady was on his way to win yet another Super Bowl ring, there was an advertisement that played during the first quarter of the game. Now, you may have missed it, but here's a little snippet now of that commercial. Twinkle, twinkle, this fall, Inspiration4 launches as the first all-civilian mission to space. And you could be on board. Up above the world Visit inspiration4.com for your chance to go to space. So this is for a organization called Inspiration4, which is really a project between billionaire Jarek Isaacman and Elon Musk's SpaceX, where they're going to be launching the first ever all-civilian spaceflight. So beyond being just a cool commercial, the ad actually invites us all to go to space. In a cool twist, these two billionaires partnered with St. Jude's Children's Hospital to auction off a seat on the flight for a donor. By simply going to the website, which is linked below and I'm showing here on the screen now, you can go and make a gift and you're going to be automatically entered into a drawing to be a part of history and to get out into space. Now, I loved seeing this as it might be the first ever nonprofit donation ad to make it to the Super Bowl. So I wanted to start here because it's a cool advertisement and also to remind you that even if you go to space, you'll never find a better quarterback than Tom Brady. So last week, the National Philanthropic Trust released the 2020 Donor Advised Fund Report, which had some very interesting and potentially positive news. In 2019, there was $39 billion that was deposited into donor advised funds, and $25 billion was actually granted out. Now, contributions to donor advised funds have increased by 80% since 2015, and the money that's been granted out has actually increased by 93% in that same time. The ratio of contributions to grants is still pretty low, hovering around 22%. However, given these trends in the near term, DAFs will probably be a greater source of grants than foundations. Now, there are nine times more donor-advised funds as compared to private foundations, but the assets actually have an opposite relationship as donor-advised funds have a total of $141 billion under management, but private foundations are holding on to $1 trillion. So this puts a few things in perspective. First and most importantly, the entire landscape of philanthropic giving is being upended by donor-advised funds. But also, private foundations dwarf the total capital earmarked for giving, and while there's a ton of pressure on donor-advised funds to give out more money, 
foundations need to step up to the plate as well and start giving out that $1 trillion they're sitting on. So next up, just a quick shout out to the New York Times, who recently released an article entitled How Women Are Changing the Philanthropy Game. And we have covered this topic. Obviously, Mackenzie Scott is a big deal in this article. But it's really nice to see that this topic gets such major media coverage. So big shout out to the New York Times for keeping this story alive. I've linked the article in the description below. It's a pretty good read, so check it out. So some other good news, dealaid.org, a discount shopping website that donates a portion of their sales to nonprofits, released a report called The State of Charitable Giving in America Amidst COVID-19. Now, the report had some interesting statistics, the first being that 72% of the respondents plan on donating more in 2021. And additionally, they plan on increasing the total dollars they give to around 400 for the year. 55% of the donors said that they would give to medical or health organizations, and the majority want to volunteer at or educational organizations. Now, only 38% of the respondents said they actually plan on volunteering in person, regardless of whether or not they get the vaccine. So this looks to be another really rough year for organizations that re rely heavily on volunteers, such as Meals on Wheels. There's a lot in this report. Again, I urge you to take a look in the links below. So in some Absolutely less than awesome news. Recently, the Southern Poverty Law Center reported that over the last seven years, donor organizations, people giving out money, have given out millions and millions of dollars in grants to organizations that are designated as hate groups. Now, most of this money came from a small number of large donor-advised funds like Char Fidelity Charitable and Schwab. However, 280 private foundations also gave to these groups, and that's according to data from the IRS. In 2018, these organizations donated $52 million to designated hate groups. 41 million of that uh, came just from nine organizations, each which channeled at least a million dollars to the groups on the list. Now, when we look at the list of grant-making organizations that actually gave to hate groups, it's pretty interesting to see who's on there. The majority are private family foundations, but the two biggest donor-advised funds are also granting out millions of dollars to hate groups. While morally questionable, this is totally legal, as, they, as the groups, these hate groups, are legal 501c3s. And while some nonprofit advocates would like to see the IRS deny these hate groups their charity status, this hasn't happened yet. So in this report, we can see exactly what grant-making organizations gave to which hate groups, which is fascinating. I would tell you to take a look at that. I also am curious where you stand on this topic. Should donor-advised funds be granting money to designated hate groups? And I guess the larger question is whether or not these groups should lose their tax-exempt status, if any. Who would be the judge of that? Who would decide if these are law, if these are hate groups besides the Southern uh, Poverty Law Center. It's an interesting topic, but it is distressing to see that so much money has gone to organizations that are designated as hate groups. So something to keep an eye on. So last week, technology provider Virtuous put out a study that said that only 3% of nonprofits are leveraging multi-channel communications. Now, this was pretty shocking as that number feels incredibly low. Um, beyond just being a low number, this is a huge risk for our sector where we are going to have to improve the way that we're communicating with donors and our supporters in order to survive going forward. So that means that these organizations are probably only using one channel, right? They're only using email or they're only using social 
social. And the real idea here is that we have to spread out our communications on the channels where our donors live. So I would urge organizations to not follow this trend and consider a multi-channel marketing approach in order to stay relevant in the years to come. So our last story of the week is one that we've been reporting on kind of week after week here, that museums and arts organizations across the world are really struggling the most during the pandemic. Now, there's a number of reasons this is happening. Probably the most importantly is because donors can't actually utilize their services. People aren't going to the theater. They're not going to museums, etc. They're also not seen as essential. So many donor dollars are shifting away to, from the arts to places like food insecurity and health and COVID relief. Now, those are important, absolutely, but it's going to be sad to see these organizations, the arts organizations, close up shop if this trend continues. Now, one story that highlights the trend comes from the New York Times, which released an article explaining how the Metropolitan Museum of Art is now facing a $150 million budget shortfall. And to make up to this, they are actually turning to auctioning off some of the art that they possess. Other museums in New York have already done this. The Brooklyn Museum, for example, for example, for example, the Brooklyn Museum auctioned off $31 million in art, but this trend looks like it's going to continue to grow. So if you're a member of an art, arts organization and you have the means, please consider renewing that membership this year to try to support these organizations or we won't have anywhere to enjoy art once the pandemic has passed us by. So that's it. Thank you so much again for watching. Please consider subscribing and sharing if you're enjoying this content. As always, keep up the good work and keep pushing forward. I'm David Nadelman signing off for the week of February 8th, 2021.